DSO. Hey, SDA. Welcome to our podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about architecture with Evan and Dustin. They're going to introduce themselves right after Angel gives the little disclaimer. Ah, yes. So the opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by all of us do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints of our respective universities or official policies of our respective universities. Thank you. Thank you. Let's have our two guests introduce themselves or our students. Yeah. So my name is Dustin. I'm the project manager for the SDA. I'm in design right now as an industrial designer and I'm expiring to get into architecture. Uh, yeah. Great. I heard expiring. So that's why I laughed. Not, no, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at, I thought you said you were expiring and I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, we oh, all no. are. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> my name is Evan. I'm the external liaison for the SDA. I am currently in my third year at the University of Alberta. And I'm majoring in industrial design as well. Oh, I'm outnumbered. Yeah, got it. By males <laughs> and U of A students. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, today we're talking about architecture. And I being, well, I'm not the biggest architecture head. I don't know what you would call that. I just, I'm very new to this subject. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you three educated and interested individuals, passionate individual, individuals, one might say, about this topic. So my first question is, what, what is architecture? Can someone explain it to me? Yeah. Or like what you think architecture is? Yeah, I think uh, in practice, architecture is the designing of a building. But mm-hmm. in, in theory, there's a lot more that goes into it in terms of looking at how people use space and how we can make spaces that people interact with while passively kind of letting them decide what the space can do. Mm-hmm. I like that, the, the passivity, I guess, of it. I like leaving room for like serendipitous opportunities, as I'm going to call it, you know? I guess, similarly, I enjoy environmental graphic design. So like I took one of the courses and I think that's the closest I think I'll take to an ID course at McEwen. Like I had to redesign the wayfinding in the building just for a project. And then we had to think about just like materials for the signs and stuff. Man, I was so out of my realm. I was like, what's a poly preen? (laughs) Anything, I was like, probably that. It was plastic (laughs) or something. I was like, okay. And then I do think the way people interact with spaces is interesting. I don't know, do Evan or Tomas, you have things to add on like what you think architecture is or how you interpret it? I would probably say, yeah, people is a big interaction, like Dustin said, and how they interact with the space. Another thing I would say is it's also about where the space is and more the environment that's that isn't humans, the area that it interacts with, how people perceive it, uh, what height the other buildings are in the area, all of that mm-hmm. that kind of information takes into account lighting, how much sidewalk room you have, how how busy the street is in front of it, all of those things that you wouldn't normally expect go in when they say, hey, we want to put up a theater downtown. Mm-hmm. That That's all a big part of it too. That's interesting. And I think that almost ties into, you could think of architecture as like almost like branding or packaging for a space or a place. So like, obviously like a discount coffee shop is gonna have much different architecture than like a hipster, like third wave coffee shop, right? So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool to think of. And then another differentiation here talking about you guys is like you call architecture a space and then there's the idea of architecture as a place, right? So they sound very similar place and space, but I would argue that like place would have like more successful placemaking, branding, architecture, and that is a place people wanna to go to rather than just a space 
that's out there in the world. But the idea of space, I like, I don't know, there's something that clicked when Evan was talking about just like right now, just right now where he's saying like the relationship with other buildings. I don't think about that at all. Like I guess like how a building might like fit into a skyline, but it's actually, that's really important in architecture. So that's a good thing to bring up and like how, yeah, it interacts with all those buildings and kind of like the neighborhood it's in or like the district, I guess. So that's really interesting. My, I guess I have a follow-up question, if you don't mind. I want to know how everyone got interested in architecture, especially maybe, Dustin, you said you wanted to go into it, like, as a career. Yeah. I know Angel and I have a history. We went to high school together. But uh-huh. back in high school, <laughs> I was definitely the least artistic of anybody. Um, I was in engineering, or my goal was to get into engineering. Mm-hmm. I like math and sciences. Mm-hmm. I came to the University of Alberta, didn't actually looked, started looking at engineering and decided that that's not what I wanted to do at all. I didn't want to just pump out calculations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of just taking random courses, figuring out what to do and stumbled across design. And then I had the classic like, oh, design, that looks like an easy option. Mm-hmm. And realized really quickly that it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. And it was super fun. Did some more research, found out about the program with design and engineering at the U of A and then from there it was like okay this is a great route to get into architecture because it's still something that I loved I always loved building mm-hmm. I always loved space but mm-hmm. without engineering in the picture I wasn't sure how to get there if you would have told me back and like when we were in high school that you're gonna go into design <laughs> you know I couldn't have guessed that but it, I'm like I'm glad you're here we've had we've been able to like work on a couple of different projects like kind of adjacent to each other like you were there for vignettes the like the SDA was doing vignettes the same year DSO was and seeing you like fix all the lighting up for their space and you guys for the listeners who haven't seen either the DSO or SDA space check out our Instagrams because they're on there yeah. very cool projects um would have been cool to do it again 2020 <laughs> but you know <laughs> sad anyways yeah like Evan yeah I think it's I've just always found buildings interesting the construction of things back before I knew how to use any of the drawing drawing tools that that we use as designers I would you know pull out a compass as a kid with a sketchbook and Mm. and keep making the circles bigger in a sketchbook and uh and that's before I knew what a compass was or how to use it properly so that was kind of fun and yeah, I just always kind of had a had a passion for it and for design. And uh, I knew about the program because one of my cousins went through this program and um, mm. went on to do her master's in architecture. Uh, she graduated last year. Yeah, that's just kind of so I already knew about the program. So at the high school level, I knew that I wanted to come here and do that. Now you're doing it. Yeah, I think it kind of like you, architecture was like the gateway drug to like getting into <laughs> design, right? Because as a high school oh kid, I was kind of, I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. I took all sciences, but then I was like, I want to do something more. I don't care about engineering. Um, <laughs> so then in grade like 11, I was like, that's it. I saw architecture. You see those big renderings. You don't know what architecture is. You watched How I Met Your Mother. I watched How I Met Your Mother. I and also watched How I Met Your Mother. You're like, that's cool. That's I want to do that, right? It's kind of creative. It's kind of like, it's more involved than just being an artist. If I tell my uncles I'm going to be an architect, it sounds impressive. It's better than saying, oh, I want to go into design or like arts. So that was kind of the gateway drug. And then I found more of these like niche things that I love, but I think we could all thank architecture for being a big, sexy word. <laughs> it definitely does sound like I feel like more people have a general grasp of what architecture is than graphic design. 
because I feel like if you, you know, you went into a room and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm studying architecture. Like, you know, that's like a more of a well-known term. I can see the the whole like, you know what, this uh, like satisfies that, um, that want to be like secure in my job when you're older and like also has a way to be creative because you're still looking at the way like people like interact with it in a space slash building the space that they interact in. Yeah, it, it's interesting, actually, just what Tomas said. It's it's crazy how like when I talk to people and I tell them what my degree is in, they have no idea what that is. Oh, yeah. And then I tell them like, oh, it can lead to architecture. And they're like, oh, oh, oh OK. Yeah. And but people don't know. And the funny thing is, like, unless you end up building the odds of you building a house, the majority of houses, unless they're quite expensive, aren't designed by architects. So there's not a lot of people that interact with architects in their lifetime. But everybody interacts with industrial designers. You buy industrial design products all the time, and nobody knows what it is. So you guys are kind of like invisible, like yeah, we're you know, in unsung here. Yeah, you guys work in the shadows, but there's you guys are so important, and your role so important. I got a question that could just like with that. When would you when like career wise? Yes, it's like it's, it sounds really secure. It pays really well from what I hear. Once you make it, but it's kind of hard to make it. So I'm wondering what careers kind of like can architects have? Because if you're not building houses you're not going to build a skyscraper every day what what's what's happening what are you doing there's an important distinction where like there's kind of two different sides of architecture there's mm-hmm. some architecture schools that are very engineering based and they come in just like we need to this to mathematically work and then they send it to an engineer mm-hmm. to confirm it then there's the other side which is a lot more artistically based and they actually care about the form and how the structure works and that's where you'll see people sketch modeling with like crumped up pieces of paper right? They just rip these up and it's like, oh, this is the form of a building. So I think Mm -hmm. it depends like which side. I think all of us can agree just the fact that we're in design, we're more on that artistic side of Mm -hmm. the architecture spectrum. But not just building some squares. Exactly. I would say a daily, like an architect's day, we talk about it in our interview, but I think it mirrors quite closely to what we do as industrial designers. It's research, it's understanding, it's figuring out what the environment is as a whole that we're getting into. Because yeah, I can design a beautiful building, but if it's got the completely wrong use or the, the intention behind it is completely wrong, it's, it's not gonna be successful. Mm-hmm. Whereas it can be a scaled down version. Maybe it's only 10 stories instead of 40, but it fits better mm-hmm. and it makes more sense in the community. It's a solid answer there, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that was maybe, really good, thanks Dustin. Yeah. Leads us to the question like, you go to like Tomas's nihilist question. Do we need architecture? Do we need architects? Can everyone just live in a box? You know, <laughs> someone has to design the box, but you hinted on it and that like it's a space that needs to fit with the community and has to solve its uses. Can you argue for that or against the need for architects? I'm gonna let the other two boys go first. I don't want to hear it, and then I'll put my two my two cents, my one cent. <laughs> I think from the from the question you asked, you're asking, do we need industrial designers? Do we need graphic designers? Right? I think it's the same question in the sense that it's somebody that understands what the role has to do, but also do it as, I don't even know the word. Um, the, like, well, how does the, the product or the, you know, the thing that is being, the output um, influenced by, you know, people and how it's going to be used. The, the output just has, happens to so be a building. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. You got it. I think it's the same argument. And I think that in short, yes, 
for the same reason that why do we have posters and branding and products and ergonomic considerations and why do we have these things it's because that's what we need as we live in the 21st century that's how we get better so yeah you can draw a house but i can almost guarantee you there's going to be some huger flaws with it just because you don't understand you don't have that design mindset when you approach it i feel like if we got rid of the role of architect and we were like oh it's not allowed anymore we, we just let everyone design their own houses and buildings and stuff people would fall into that anyways and be like oh you know what Jared over there is really good at designing houses. All of his have fallen apart. Let's just make him design all the houses. Well, there you go. You have another architecture, another industrial designer without the title. So I think absolutely, even though I'm like maybe not the most well-versed in this subject, I think it's really important. Yeah, I, I think that's really good to touch on. I think we're all, even even those of us that are go to the U of A for things other than design and even if you go to school for sciences, there's still a small amount of creativity in everybody. And I think that's because some form of it, especially in architecture, is quite logical about it. How much light should enter the space? Where, when you walk into this room, do you have, where do you need a light switch at night? Um, all of that kind of stuff when you walk into a building is kind of logical and based on human behavior and how they interact with the space. So we all do it. We just don't quite notice it. And I think when we go to school to learn these things, you, you advance to a level where it's, you have to think less about it. And it's not so much about like, oh, I have to try it to kind of see what it's like. Like, you know, because you went to school for it, like, and you studied this, that you're going to need something here uh, this, on this wall and it, it won't work otherwise. And I think a good summary is Adam Savage's quote from Mythbusters. You need to know the rules in order to break them. Yeah, we learn all these principles. We learn all these rules and we do so much practice so that by the time we get out in the real world, we don't have to think about it anymore. It's so like, it's internalized. Sorry, should have muted my phone. Yeah, it's like, so you're not going to put any like weird, like, like North facing. Yeah, you're not going to put like North facing windows for something like really important, like a meeting room or like, I don't know perhaps your kitchen or something. I don't know. They're going to be a part. There's always going to be a north side of the building. It's clearly, yeah. I don't know anything. So you guys, I, like, you know, I think it depends though. Because if you're talking about using sun to passively heat a home, which is like a huge thing in new like sustainable design, right? It just gets mm -hmm. sunlight heat to let the home, to heat the home. Um, if you're talking about that, then you want as much self-facing as possible and you want to minimize north. But at the same time, maybe this site is located where there's a view to the north. And if you don't have windows there, then you don't have that, that visual attraction, right? Because mm -hmm. that in itself will sell a home sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I agree where you have to understand what, what is required. That's good. I like the point about talking about what is required. And I think we can look at that maybe today in 2020, we could talk about COVID. Um, how do you guys see architecture changing to like work with COVID times and all those regulations? So I had a good conversation and kind of one of the aspects was like, would it shift to everything being modernist, clean and wipeable, or would it kind of shift to something like more like postmodern and like comforting? So you have all these natural materials and so people would feel a bit more cozy. So things would be less like hospitals and more like a cabin. What are your thoughts on that? I would I say it's a combination of them both without a doubt. Materials is a huge thing in architecture. I've done a couple of projects in industrial design because it's so interesting. Looking at the way that we use materials and the way that those materials can influence space, like you said, it is it stark white or is it like a little bit of a cream color? 
right? That's just color theory, but that cream is going to feel more welcoming. It, I think it also goes back to like just the foreign materials want to take. Something like concrete, it's going to be porous. I don't care how much you seal it, it's always going to be porous. And in theory, that's not clean. Things can grow inside of it. But if you take a piece of laminated wood and you cover it with shellac of some sort, like that's going to be a solid surface. Butcher block cutting cord, cutting board is a great one. It's porous. That, that cutting board is growing with whatever you cut on it. It's kind of like thinking back, you're like, hmm. And that's what I mean. So I think it's a combination of both where it's choosing materials that are modern and are, I think, the most advanced that we have at the time, but also making the space feel welcoming and the space not feel like a hospital. Because there is a need for hospital design. That's, that's mm-hmm. apparent. But in everybody's home, I don't want to be living with the reception counter around the corner. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, you need, you need the materials. Um, that, that's huge. And then the other thing you want to look at is area and layout for those kinds of things. Because uh, especially during COVID, you, those things begun to change quite a bit. You know, um, entrances now all of a sudden became really small because you have to have all of these people waiting outside of places to get in. So these entrances that, you know, you go in one door and then there's a little glass box to go into the other, those kind of areas didn't work. And what did work was having having these open areas like Costco where you go in the initial doors and there's like a full garage that you can wind through in order to get in. So Mm -hmm. that's also huge too, is studying um, where the space, what the space is going to be used like, and also how many people go inside it. Because that was a big thing even before COVID, but now because of COVID, that's even more prominent. I think like I'm thinking about, well, one, I hope we don't have to like design buildings specifically to react to a pandemic. It's good to have like I, I'm I'm like gonna echo like Justin's words. It's good to have like places that like are very easily like functional, like clean it very well. But it doesn't, yeah, it shouldn't always have to feel like a hospital. Like I want to be able to clean my kitchen really easily. I don't want to, ha- but I don't want to feel like I'm in like the main uh like common room of a hospital. Absolutely. So having that like welcoming kind of like, or maybe not even welcoming for all buildings. Like maybe there are some buildings you want to have like a, be a little bit more like serious and maybe a little more like, you know, antsy. And like, I don't know if a courthouse is going to be like, you know, come on in, sit down. You know, we want you to relax, kick your feet up at the end. No, that, they're probably wanting to have something a little more, um, yeah, serious, like in the, in the feel of it all. So, um, but having that like kind of like mood or tone be translated in the building itself and the function and which the building is going to be used for is really important. Definitely. And it makes me think of just like, yeah, environmental graphic designers or environmental designers and how that all plays into it all, you know, like adding to maybe not just like the, like adding, I guess, I guess the cherry on top, on top of the, of the bones of the building. Um, and Evan had a really good point too, where we're just like, we're thinking more with every kind of like historical event or like things that happen in the everyday, you, there's some things you just don't, can't calculate or account for. Um, but now then when we have this like really big lesson, we're going to be thinking about how spaces can accommodate or make people wait, because especially like we um, living in Canada um, in the prairies, like when winter hit and it was snowing outside and stuff like that. And people aren't really wanting to stand out, you know, spaced out six feet apart from each other with like, it's like minus 20 out and snowing like so they set up like tents for some places and like you know had like heaters and like on the sidewalks because they just couldn't have that many people inside so thinking about like certain limitations like that 
I think Evan also made Ray on an interesting point where it's it's how is the the space used, and I think that's an important thing in all buildings in the sense that mm-hmm. a great a, a well designed building should be able to adapt to those kind of things. Like using Costco as an example, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's a well designed building. It's a big steel box with columns <laughs> in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like it does its job perfectly, but in terms of a building, you're kind of like, mm. and I understand how they ran into issues and there's not room because it's it's designed in a very industrial sense, right? Get people in, let them grab what they want, get them out. Mm-hmm. It's literally designed like a U. That, that's mm-hmm. the way it's laid out. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of a really good one I went to. I get even shopping malls in a way. Um, we could touch on the art gallery, perhaps. Maybe the Royal Albert Museum. Maybe the new library. I haven't checked the new library out downtown. I haven't been to any of those during the pandemic, so it's hard to speak to. But oh, I assume that they would have some sort of lobby area where people are able to more idly wait and be controlled, if that makes any sense. I know it's mm-hmm. difficult because it's inside the doors, but I think some sort of a big canopy or heaters installed in the ceiling, especially in Edmonton, because we're so cold. Mm-hmm. Something like that is a very passive design that maybe it's used for a barbecue in September. Maybe it's used to help patrons standing outside at minus 40. Oh, that reminds me of, um. so there's a new Starbucks, not even that new. It opened up like last summer. Um, it's like on 97th street. I don't know if you've seen it, Dustin, because we both live on the north side. Um, kind of like, <laughs> kind of towards like um, more south rather than north, just past like Northgate. And you go, anyways, it's like the one on the side there anyway. And it's like kind of like, um, it's oriented to be like kind of like drive-through because it's on like that main road. And there's like absolutely like an outdoor waiting area that's like just like a big kind of square like piece of slab of concrete and they got picnic tables and stuff but there's also like heaters all along the top kind of like the LRT station so when mm-hmm. it's cold out people can still like wait there um or like park nearby and then wait and then go to the takeout window there because I don't think there's any seating inside but I also yeah it was COVID time so I don't know if it was just like it never opened up to have seating inside but from my experience when you when you mentioned the heaters outside that's what I thought about it's pretty small mm-hmm. I don't think there is much indoor mm-hmm it might just be like the barista station. <laughs> My second last question here, I guess, is architecture and design really, a lot of design you could find, but architecture especially, it's full of like heroes, right? Like you learn these people in art history, like Frank Gehry, Louis Kahn, Van der Rohe, Zada Hadid, Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, and then my question was, do we kind of want to have all these heroes? Is it helpful to kind of look to all these heroes in the past or should we kind of start maybe educating and learning not about these big names and kind of focusing more on the work and more on the things they do or the ideas that they represent? I think the reason that those big names are so popular and so big is because of the work they did though. How are you going to move forward when you don't learn from the past, right? You're going to see like what they did. Why was it so successful? What ideas that they had? What I like kind of like what methods or like kind of like I guess tricks of the trade or things were they doing that made them well one uniquely there is like I'm sure they all had a style still that they could kind of lean towards you know or the things they like to incorporate in their buildings being like oh is it that work for them and what else can like we add on top of that and just like constantly as you mentioned before like getting better and better and better so um, definitely I don't think we should forget about them we should definitely like remember them and remember their work and learn from it so that our work can like be better that goes for like kind of all kind of areas of 
any t- anything you want to learn from psychologists who, who like you know learn certain theories and they did like the, the work and research in this you're going to build on top of that research you're not gonna be like yeah we're gonna do this scrap it and do the same thing like you know you're gonna build on top of that or like in engineering like you know there's gonna be like I'm sure there's like some very famous engineers that I like can't list off the top of my head that you are you're gonna want to build off of they, they named the theories you got like all of the every formula has a name right so I guess it's mm-hmm. But it is all very like um, westernized, right? And so that was a thing. Maybe if you think maybe less about these big names, more about like the buildings themselves, do you get like more well-rounded worldview? I don't know. I think another thing that goes along with that is culturally, that's the way that it was presented. Like, I love Japanese design and Japanese architecture is amazing in the joinery that they're able to get in thousands of year old wooden buildings that outlast Mm -hmm. steel structure that we built yesterday it's it's amazing when you look at what they're able to do with that but you never have Japanese architects being presented as such right you have a Japanese style you have Japanese Mm -hmm. buildings but you don't have like this amazing Japanese architect whereas in European cultures these people were put on pedestal right you get Frank Frank Lloyd Wright people came out and just being like this guy's a god Mm -hmm. and they let him build wherever he wanted kind of thing like, I don't know if that's the greatest a- approach either, but that's learned looking back the kind of the, the history that we have to approach. Yeah, kind of the culture around buildings, culture around people. It's more than just architecture, it's life, right? So exactly. That's a good point. I like that. That's good. Evan, what do you think? You're looking very introspective there. No, yeah, you guys all make great points. So I'm just kind of sitting here nodding. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you guys are, yeah. Um, I think everybody pretty much hit the ballpark. I mean, it's it's pretty important to learn from what we've done and not so much so that we can copy it, but um, like Angel said, so that we can look at it and say, hey, so it this is what this guy did 200 years ago. Um, and how can we apply that today so that it functions correctly? And, you know, you, you make some changes due to the, due to the, yield of time and also the the situation changes greatly and you end up with something that not only functions well but also in terms of history supports supports what we've learned i i would think of it as we're all uh the human race is one individual and we're learning 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 if we don't if we don't learn about the past then we risk making the same mistakes that they do so mm-hmm. it's important to, if you, if we keep learning, ideally you'll get to a point where nobody makes any mistakes, which <laughs> won't happen, but in a perfect world, that's what would happen. But mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I guess yeah. maybe to wrap it up. Um, so we want to go around the circle and everyone talks about maybe the favorite building and give us a little walk <laughs> about why it's your favorite building, a favorite piece of architecture. I'll start us off here. So you guys have time to think. My favorite building, if, if you've been in any of my classes, or my 500 class, it's Commonwealth Rec Center. I love that building. <laughs> I worked there for so many years. Uh, it's like, a, if you all ver- verbalize it, it's a triangle. On one side, there's like a pool. Other side, there's like a field house. Other side, there's a gym. And it's attached to like Edmonton's big football stadium. So it's a pr- it's pretty new. It's built in like 2009. Um, none of the lines or anything makes sense in the building. Like trying <laughs> to find a room is a disaster. You can't, but it's wonderful in that it has these like 
viewways so you can see through the whole building. You don't need a grid to show you where you can go. If you could see where you need to go, you just walk there. It's wonderful. There's little art features that maybe aren't amazing grand Mona Lisa art, but the interactive people could play with it. It's just a wonderful place to be. And the fact that there's a pool there and like a gym is like great. And it makes that experience so much better than just going to like life fitness in a box. So that is what really convinced me having these, like the whole south wall of the building is windows. So you let the light in, you could see time change as you do stuff. That's my favorite building, Commonwealth Rec Center. Yeah. A little and it's unexpected, but I'm not mad at it. There we can solid rationale you put out there. Yeah, I was gonna say I was not expecting that to come up, but I agree, it's a fantastic building. I spent a lot of hours in there on the field house. I don't know, I guess it's gonna be real, real classical, but uh probably Frank Frank Lloyd writes um the the river house for for a house that's like what 60, 80 years old now. There's so many aspects he brings into that that we're still trying to achieve today. The way that he built a house in the forest without knocking it down. And it's incorporated into it. The trees go through the house. He's got natural river rocks from the creek that he built into his fireplace. The creek runs through the house with a glass floor. He has a corner window. For those who don't understand, corner windows are impossible <laughs> because they're always going to leak. Getting two pieces of glass to seal up in a corner is really difficult. Um, and he had a lot of these things that he was doing before, like, now we know, okay, that's hard. He drew a paper and said, okay, let's make this work. And I think that approach is what, like, I love about him and a lot of his mm-hmm. work same way, so. I'm going to pick, well, maybe, I'm, I'm not thinking, like, super international or, like, anything. Here. I'm going to go pick something in Edmonton. And um, I think the things that make me think about architecture, because do architectures, architects, <laughs> also build um bridges and things like that because yeah. i'm thinking well like favorite structure and or things maybe things i'm building structures and buildings of note that for myself as someone who's like an architect newbie um i think the the art gallery was one of the first like big pieces of architecture that that edmonton got that we were like oh we're becoming a, a big city you know like oh we have this fancy building that isn't just a a box or a rectangle it's got this like swirly metal piece in it it's got these like large like grid glass windows so I think that was something that initially caught my eye um but I also do love the Walterdale and like how much that adds to our city like now every postcard you see of Edmonton or every shot of like Edmonton like typical Edmonton photographer or whatever has a shot of like the Walterdale in the skyline you know and you can see it like leading into the city so that's like so much part of our identity and that thing's only been around for like and what probably like five years now I don't know when it came like it feels like they were building it forever not even right like it just like reopened a few years ago or the construction ended but now it's like so crucial to like Edmonton's identity um so I think that's really cool how it can just be incorporated like that so AGA and Walterdale well the toss-up but things I definitely like notice and it's like oh architecture (laughs) those are two great buildings design as well i have quite a few but i if you have to pick one i'd say it's the farnsworth house by miles van der um i i just like how it it encompasses everything that we talked about today so it encompasses uh exterior um 
exterior interior when you enter it it's it's one room that you can do all of these different things and inside the interior design is kind of architecture in a sense you're architecting it's built into the building so in the middle you have this giant space that's multi-purpose and it performs all these different functions and and it's an, an interesting example for me and it's one of my favorites well, I think that kind of wraps up our time. So thanks very much to Evan and Dustin for and Angel for joining us in this conversation half. Um, next up in the other half, we're going to talk to a real Edmonton architect and tell us a bit more about his school and his process. Thanks for educating me, boys. <laughs> it was a good Bloody talk. Not. No problem. That was fun. Um, hello. Hey, guys. It's Tomas. Welcome all of the listeners to today's interview of Robert, a local architect who will tell you more about himself shortly. Additionally, we have two new voices interviewing for us from the SDA. We have Evan and Dustin. Why don't you guys all introduce yourselves, starting with Evan? Hi, I'm the uh, external liaison for the SDA. Um, I, I have an interest in architecture, and I'm a third-year industrial design student. Hey guys, uh, like Evan, I'm also a third year industrial design student. I'm specializing in engineering. Um, also have an interest in architecture. I'm a project manager for the SDA and looking forward to how this day goes. All right, guys, and uh, I'm Robert Vinovich. I'm uh, a partner with the architecture firm or the Working Yard Partnership here in Edmonton, and I'm happy to share some info with you guys. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. All right, so would you mind telling us a bit about your school history? We know that you went to U of A for science before attending Dalhousie, but what kind of took you along that path? Um, yeah, no, you're right. So I, I did do an undergraduate degree at the U of A. I have a Bachelor of Science degree. Um, essentially, when I, you know, when I graduated high school, probably not much different than a lot of people. Uh, I really didn't quite know what I wanted to do and, and where my passions were. I always had an interest in architecture. You know, in high school, I'd taken, uh, back in my day, it was drafting. Uh, not quite computer drafting uh, yet, but it was drafting. Always liked that, always interested in buildings. And, you know, finally, after a few years at the U of A, I decided architecture was something I wanted to pursue. So I did finish my undergraduate degree and then eventually made it out to what is now Dalhousie University. When I was there, it was a separate university from Dalhousie in Halifax, but uh, technically I'm a Dalhousie graduate now. Okay, great. And uh, how was uh, architecture school for you in terms of uh, the people you knew about and interacted with uh, some projects that you worked on? I mean, you know, architecture school, uh, you know, probably, you know, uh, maybe not that much different from industrial design. And um, uh, certainly as uh, some of you may or may not know, I, I've known Evan for many years, so I get a bit of a hint as to what uh, what he's up to once in a while and and it's it's an intense program um it's 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 a full commitment of time full days long days you know studio time all those sorts of things so it's um uh, i'm not sure if i knew what to expect completely when i when i started it it was a long time ago now but it uh it definitely requires uh, a, a full a full uh, your full attention you know, as far as to, to make it through the program. And to be honest, some people don't make it through because it's, you know, it is a, it's a tough program. Having said that, you know, it's a smaller faculty, uh, especially in Halifax, you know, it was a smaller school, smaller city. You know, the people you know, the people you worked with, um, you, know, uh, you know, in the studio and stuff, um, you know, you really got to know people and relied on people. And, you know, amazingly, I, I actually touched base with someone just before the holidays that I hadn't, 
from architecture school that I hadn't talked to in over 20 years. And it was like, when you spend that much time together going through uh, what we, some of us call, you know, almost a war, you know, uh, you get to know people pretty well. And it's amazing. Good. 20 years later, it was like, you know, it was like two days ago. By. So it's, uh, but it's, um, it was good. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. And obviously in the end. Could you maybe tell us about some of the projects or classes you took in architecture <coughs> school? Or some memorable projects from that? Yeah, you know, it, it's, I'd have to be, you're testing my memory a little bit on that, but uh, it obviously starts off, you know, it, what I remember most is it starts off small, right? You know, uh, the, the very first project we ever did uh, was you basically designed a hut, a one or two bedroom room uh, building, right? And, and you designed a hut. Uh, and there was, you know, it was, it's, it was a little bit more to it than that. But I remember that that being an all night uh, endeavor to get the hut finished, you know, to, to submit, uh, which is you know, basically a one or two room building. Now, you know, you probably do it in about half, half an hour. You worked your way up in the first year, you worked your way from design studio. You worked your way up from huts to, to, event, to a house, to something a little bit bigger. And then ultimately, there were various projects about, uh, or various uh, program studies about uh, building science, hit our architecture history, uh, trying to remember now, uh, but mostly it focused on design, you know, and at the end, uh, during the, my master's year, basically, other than a couple of little courses, the entire year was focused on, on your ultimate, uh, you know, penultimate project. So like, obviously the career, the, the job has changed a lot over your career. Do you mind kind of just elaborating what, what that looked like and what kind of a, what's a day in the life that you look like now? I know that's something that we're all really interested in as we're trying to get into this profession. Yeah, I mean, well, you're definitely right, it's changed because uh, when I started, I actually started with the firm I'm with now, I started as a student. Dalhousie University was a co-op program. So uh, there was work experience. And so I, being from Edmonton, I came back to Edmonton and uh, worked for an uh, eight-month term with the firm that I'm with now. So I've been with there ever since I, before I graduated, you know. And when I first started, um, it was hand-drafting. Uh, you know, those uh, fax machines and, uh, you know, hand drafting and uh, no emails and, you know, all that kind of, no Zoom calls uh, for sure. Um, so, you know, it's uh, for me personally, you know, I wouldn't say the, what we do hasn't changed a ton. You know, we still design buildings and, and you know, uh, you know, the buildings evolve, you know, just like anything else with time. But uh, with the way we do it certainly has changed. Technology has is, changed what we do immensely uh when i first started we had a, a graphic a graphic designer an architect but he basically did graphics and he would spend literally weeks doing a, a, a 3d perspective a rendering of the outside of a building literally draw every blade of grass on the outside and, you know and all that and now obviously you know we can we're very little time give everybody a full 3D walkthrough. Sometimes it's more, you know, a little bit more sketchy than, than photorealistic, but ultimately we can produce photorealistic rendering. So we can really help people understand the buildings much more than we ever could before. You know, uh, I think, you know, being in probably industrial design or in architecture, we have a sense of 3D relationships where we can kind of visualize things. Not everybody has that skill. And sometimes the people that we're selling the buildings to don't have it either. And so, you know, we really had to do a lot of describing before. Now we can really let the pictures show it. So technology's changed it tremendously as far as our ability to, to do things. And um, 
speed things up, but but sometimes not just to speed it up and just allow us to uh, show things in, in much more uh, much more detail. So that's that's probably the, the biggest difference. I mean, I started drafting on on paper, hands and a hand and a drafting board. I think I'm the only person in our office still that has a drafting board uh, in my office, but it's just used to put papers on. Like it's just it's just a nice big desk. Uh, I don't think it's been used in I don't know how long. Uh, but that's that's probably you know, technology is huge. Speaking of buildings, is there a uh, building that you would either that you made or you've seen before that you would recommend students go to for inspiration, maybe in architecture? Um, well, certainly, you know, there's kind of two different things there, right? I mean, buildings that our firm has done that people would recognize. Uh, the firm I'm with, I mean, I haven't been there that long, but. We've been around for over 65 years. We're one of the the oldest uh, firms in Edmonton that's been running continuously. And certainly, some of the buildings we've done well, before I started, we did uh, we did the humanities building at the U of A uh, buildings that you guys might be familiar with. We did the uh, the LRT station at the U of A. I believe we did way back in the day. We did Chemistry West, which may have been demolished when they put in uh, already. Yeah, uh, when they put it was. CSIS that came in, uh, I think. So, you know, we've done lots of buildings around the U of A over the years. Um, we did the renovations, you know, all the fountains and, and all the rest of the legislature grounds in, in front, uh, you know, where everybody goes to take their grad photos after high school. Uh, our firm did all that sort of stuff, if you're from Edmonton. Um, personally, projects that I've done, I've worked on uh, Millennium Place in, in Sherwood Park. It was a project that I worked on a little bit earlier in my career. Um, our firm does a lot of educational work, a lot of schools, uh, a lot of work outside of the city, all over Northern Alberta. Um, so we've done, uh, you know, uh, Jasper, we just, there was a new high school that was built in Jasper a few years ago, uh, which our firm was involved with, uh, personally that I designed. Um, we're doing a, a, a large high school in Grand Prairie right now, brand new. Uh, we did St. Joseph's high school in Edmonton here. Um, along some smaller elementary, junior high schools, mostly K to 12 type schools. You know, when it talks about buildings that, that people want to go see, you know, it really depends on what you like. I think that's the biggest thing is finding out what kind of architecture and styles, you know, excite you. I mean, Edmonton has some better buildings now than it used to. A lot of the really, you know, public infrastructure tends, public buildings tend to be the ones that get a little bit more exciting you know, as far as having some stuff to look at. So it's really about finding the type of architecture that you like, the type of things that interest you, the style. So I'm mean, sure it's no different than any design, right? Everybody has a different different flair, different things that excite them. Um, certainly some of the, the new art gallery downtown is, you know, it's a cool building, but it may not be for everybody, right? That style, um, you know, City Hall, you know, is an interesting building for some people, right? As far as a civic building, it's, it's really about finding things that, that, interest you and, and kind of speak to you as far as, you know, what, what you like. Can you elaborate a bit more on like what, what you would do outside of the office? Like I know in movies you get scenes of architects sitting in meetings and doing sketches and that's the kind of thing that sounds really cool. And I think like any myths that you kind of want to clear up would be awesome. Well, usually every movie you see about an architect, you know, their office, their office look pristine. You know, there's all the papers or you know, everybody's desk is perfectly clean right, all that sort of stuff. That's not true. You know, that I can tell you for sure. But uh, it's a mess. It, it looks like a mess most of the time. So obviously a lot of, we, it's an interactive process. You know, for us, uh, design 
And that's probably the, maybe, maybe the biggest thing, you know, between sort of what you guys are doing right now and, and you know, architecture is, is we do it with other people and we do it for other people. So sometimes even the design, it's not about what we like, you know, it's about what other people are looking for. You know, you have a client and you have, you're designing for something. Um, so yeah, it involves usually, uh, you know, as far as the process is usually meeting with people and finding out what, uh, what they're looking for in their building, understanding what their needs are, trying to produce some conceptual ideas to see if, you know, you find something that people like and what they're looking for. Cause sometimes, sometimes people don't know what they want until they see it, especially in buildings. And that's a bit of our job is to kind of, uh, I've always said we're kind of like interpreters, you know, they, everybody tells you what they want and somehow you have to take all that throw it in the blender and see if it makes any sense into a building. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of our goal. And, and, that's done through meetings, you know, we'll go back and we'll, it's collaborative, you know, even in our office where we have, you know, it's usually a team of people working on stuff and you bounce ideas off each other. And then eventually you present them to the client and, you know, once in a while you hit a home run and once in a while you strike out, right. And then you go back to the drawing board and you, you sort of keep modifying it and working on it. So yeah, it's in meetings and design uh, as far as reviewing things and, and being interactive and then ultimately, the goal is to, to build something. Uh, once you see things on site, yeah, then it's then it's more the uh, hard hats and steel-toed boots, right? And I would say jeans, but to be honest, we wear jeans all, you know, most of the time now anyway. So when I first started, I wore a tie almost every day, even when I was drafting. Um, I haven't worn a tie in I don't know how many years anymore. So, uh, but, you know, and then you get on site. And then to me, that's the fun part. That's the part I really like is, you know, that's why I probably... What I what excited me when I got into architecture was seeing things being built and actually walking around a construction site and seeing it come together, seeing you know that hole in the ground eventually becomes something you know after a year or two years or whatever it is. So it's, so yeah, it's 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 a it's not a it's not a short process. I joke with some of our clients when we go for interviews. I say that um, you better like who you're working with, you know, as far as the clients, because the, the length of time it takes to, for the project to start until it's completely done and built and people move in. Um, not that I know of them, but I've heard, you know, people get married and divorced in less time than the amount of time it takes to build a building and design it. So you better, you know, it's not, it's a long process. You know, uh, I, I've had projects where I've spent five or six years on from, when it first started till the date, not only did it finish, but you know, you resolve all any concerns they have afterwards and all the rest. Yeah. So that kind of gives you a bit of feel for it. I know something that we're kind of bringing, it's coming up more and more in design education is the ability to be kind of multi-purpose and be able to have more than one skill set. Do you think that that's something that relates to architecture and kind of explain how you can see that relating? You know, absolutely. And, and, you know, I hate to say it, but we've gone through some of that recently, you know, just with the, the workforce and that sort of stuff and some of the issues dealing with COVID and, and all the rest. But, you know, there's there's different types of architects. You can be a design architect. You can be a more, you know, you can be you know, more creative. You can be more technical. You can, there's, you know, there's a business side to it. Uh, there's the, uh, the construction side, right, uh, on that sort of stuff. And obviously, the more, the more hats you can wear, you know, from, from purely a job perspective, the more beneficial you are to any company, right? And then the more opportunities you have. So I, I think in today's world, it's, it's tough to, 
just want to just be one thing, you know, and, uh, but, you know, we do have people in our office that, you know, their skill set is, and they're excellent at what they do, but, you know, you have people that are, that's, they're the ones that do uh, the CAD, the CAD work, the drafting work. And we have some, you know, we have some people that are much more focused on doing graphic stuff. Uh, we have some people that are more, you know, towards the construction side and keep an eye on things construction. But certainly, if you can do, uh, if you can do all those things, then that's that's even better. Is there a particular path that you went down for architecture school in that regard? Were you more so on the business side, or did you choose one of those directions right away? Well, there isn't, you know, there really isn't a path when you're in architecture school. You know, an architecture school kind of exposes you to a lot of it. It probably, where it really exposes you is on the design side and the creativity. That's where it focuses in architecture school. It's when you get out into the real world afterwards that you, you know, sort of find find that more of that, where that passion is and, and the stuff that you like and maybe what you're better at, right? Because, you know, you know, school school teaches you how to, how I think school teaches you uh, how to think a little bit more, how to, you know, be a creative problem solver and get you a little bit more, more prepared that way. And I think in, I think in architecture school, I took one course for one semester on business. You know, it wasn't a lot, that's for sure. And we might've taken one or two courses about construction. So, you know, a lot of it, I'd say is certainly in architecture. Architecture school teaches you a lot and certainly very valuable, but it's one of those professions that you keep learning after you finish school. And you may even learn more than you than you did in school ultimately, you know, as far as what the, you know, really dealing with clients and real buildings and that sort of stuff. So um, I didn't necessarily have a path. I'd, I'd probably say personally, I was always a bit more technical. You know, I came from a science background, you know, at U of A, where when it was interesting in, in architecture school, we had people from all sorts of backgrounds. You know, I had friends that came from a fine arts background, ones that came from an engineering background. I think we even had someone that was a nurse before she decided to go into architecture school, if I remember correctly. So, you know, you get all these different people coming in and, and then you're all, you know, afterwards. But personally, I was probably a bit more technical. Uh, than I was on the audio coming from design perspective because that, that was my that was my background. So I guess building off of that, like collaboration is obviously a big part of any sort of design field work and in architecture too. How much would you say it relates to school in that way? Because I know that we do, we have a lot of students that we collaborate in studios and we kind of bounce ideas off each other and get different perspectives on things. In architecture school, I feel like it almost gets harder because you got people with a lot more diverse backgrounds, but also a lot more training along the same path. Would you say that that kind of helps or does it kind of hinder things almost? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the, um, you know, as far as the collaborative approach, you mean, the collaborative approach in school is, you know, really it's your friends, right? And it's, you know, sometimes it's your friends when you're, when you're desperate, you know, when you just, you know, cause that's sort of where it was, you know, if you wanted to just hide in your corner and do your thing, you know, you could still do that, right? There wasn't a forced collaboration in, uh, in architecture school. We did have to do presentations. We called them crits, you know, critiques and uh, where they bring in, a, you know, either two local architects or, you know, or, you know, professors or what they like and and they would review you in public and that became an interactive but as far as things with you know as far as collaboratively 
if it's if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to, hey, I'm stuck here. What do you think? You know, that was more for you to 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 take on on your own. Collaborative. Once you get into, you know, out into the business, you know, into the you know real world after school into the architecture field, I mean, you're collaborating with clients. We're collaborating with engineers. You know, the buildings have structural, mechanical, electrical. You know, uh, more. There's more than that. You know, as far as those are the main ones. We have to collaborate with them. You know, it's not, you know, we're, we tend to be, the architects tend to be the quarterback of the whole process. And you end up being a little bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to understanding all these other areas. Because uh, you have to understand a little bit about each one in order to understand how they come together in the building. So the collaboration aspect afterwards and sort of the when you're building a building it is much you know it's there's probably you know i don't can't even think of how many different people you collaborate with between the clients contractors sub trades you know you've got to deal with the drywall contractor and the the guy that's installing the lighting and you know you name it right and and all those sorts of things so it's it's quite a process uh but there's there's lots uh that's what makes it fun right you know is uh is 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 well, it seemed to have uh, all, you know, working together. Everybody seems to get along most of the time. And those are the successful projects. I know there's quite a bit of uh, students, especially as we're approaching a third year with me and Dustin. Uh, lots of us are talking about practicums and um, working outside the field and getting some of that experience. I know you said uh, when, when you left architecture school, you were a student the first time you entered an architecture firm. Could you maybe elaborate on what what that was like and what were some of the expectations? And now looking back, if there's something you would have changed about that experience for yourself? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, so the program I went to was a co-op program. So the work experience was, you know, it was forced. You had to go get work experience. That, that wasn't a bad thing, but it was part of the program, right? So I was semesters of what would be in school. I was out working and there was two work experiences obviously you know uh, i think it helps you first of all really see if this is what you want to do you know there's because there's certainly a difference between school and then after school and so for me as much as perhaps the stress of the school uh was difficult afterwards it uh it really helped focus on things um so you know from that standpoint it was good it obviously gave you a break from the uh, intense you know times in school uh, making a little bit of money never hurt. But, you know, I think you certainly, as far as expectations, you know, honestly, the expectations are pretty low when you get it. You know, a lot of firms are open to taking in architecture students as a sort of a, a way to get back to the profession. I know our firm has continued to hire architecture students, especially ones from Dalhousie, because uh, uh, myself and uh, three of our architects have all graduated from Dalhousie. So we have a soft spot for for Dalhousie uh, from that perspective. But, you know, it's just, you know, I think it's just about good getting good exposure to to the profession and you know we try to you know depending on people's capabilities and backgrounds you know not to say you know you never you never do uh, you can't get you can't keep as a student you're, you're just beginning you know and so it's just trying to find things for people to do and get exposure and uh, back in my day as a student uh, i ran my fair share of blueprints no we don't do that anymore so that's like you know it's like being the copy boy Right. And so, but it was just nice to get the exposure into the firm. And I think that's the biggest thing if you do it. I guess along the same lines, what would be one thing that you wish you would have known at the start of your career, like just getting into the field? Wow. That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if it would have changed anything for me. And, and maybe, you know, just because architecture school is intense, probably I didn't quite realize the, you know, how 
how intense a profession it is. You know, it can be very consuming, right? When you're when you're designing a building, I mean, you guys know, right? You're designing something, right? You, sometimes you wake up at three in the morning and you think, oh, I got an idea, right? Or something like that. And, you know, architecture school is not much different. And architecture itself, you know, isn't much different. It's, uh, there are stages when, you know, you, you really, you're trying to solve that problem. And it's, you know, and sometimes those ideas click at, at the worst time of day, right? When you're doing other things. So probably that uh, might be one thing, you know, certainly as far as like, probably never appreciated, you know, how much, you know, how much would take out of you, you know, a little bit, you know, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Because uh, if it's something you're interested in, it, it, it makes it easy to do. But yeah, I'm trying to think um, if I know before I'd gone into it. It's so long ago, guys. Uh, that's, that's a tough one, right? You know, I'm getting a little up there. I guess you kind of touched on it then. So what kind of advice would you give to people like myself and Evan? Like, this is something that we want to do or we're interested in doing it. What what would you say would be give us that little bit of an edge up on everyone else trying to get into the model? You know, first of all, I think you guys are on a, a good path having, you know, it's a design process, right? So I think, you know, what you guys do is, uh, is you know, maybe on a different scale, right? Mm-hmm. Than, than, what, than what we do. But it's all about that creative process. Right. And I think from that perspective, there's a lot of overlap that makes things, you know, uh, that puts things in a positive frame for you guys. And that was something I noticed even when I went to school, because I came from a, from, you know, a science background. The people that certainly came from an arts background and some sort of some sort of design type background, you know, even fine arts and that sort of stuff. Certainly at the start, we're much better equipped for school, you know, and for the for the rigors of, of the program. Now, that didn't necessarily last, you know, throughout the whole thing, because eventually, you know, you hope you all get on even footing. But, boy, I did notice it, you know, as I said, that, that hot project that we started out with, and I remember still to this day going, you know, two days, like an all-nighter, you know, and, you know, going for about 26 hours or whatever it was. The, the guys that came out, guys and girls, the, you know, guys, the guys, the people that came out of uh, an arts background, they got a good night's sleep that night. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, because they understood the process, right, of design. That's, you know, so I think you guys are in a good track. From design is design, you know, uh, it's just a different scale. And uh, if it's something you're interested in, I think you got to have an interest in it, right? You got to have an interest in, in buildings, you know, in, in the built environment. You know, that's the one thing, because that's ultimately what it, what it is, right? So there has to be that kind of general interest in, in just that kind of thing. And if I think that with design, then you're on the right track. Oh. You want to maybe walk us through your process or like your process of problem solving? I don't think there's a magic uh, bullet on that, right? You know, like the creative process, you know, it's not linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to get from A to B. But, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in between there, right? So uh, I think, you know, on building side, so probably the biggest thing is listening. Because, you know, it's not just, you know, when you're doing a building for a client, you know, it's it, it's one thing to be in a meeting and, 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 you know, talking, but listening, really understanding, right? That That's probably the key, I think, personally to the creative process is understanding what other people are looking for because if you want to design your own house or your own building that's one thing but, but you know that's usually that's you know you don't get to do that too often because that's an expensive way to make a living when you're doing designing buildings for other people you got to listen you got to know what they want you got to be you know and then you've got to be the creativity is then taking your own ideas and seeing if you can make them work with the client with someone else's ideas and so uh, being open 
uh, they always say, you know what, there's no such thing as a bad idea. You know, when you, you think of something, yeah, okay. Now, it may not work in the end of the day. It may turn out to be not as good an idea. But, you know, initially, there's no such thing as a bad idea. You're just listening and, and you know, it may turn out from there. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, there's no magic bullet on that one. There's no, there's no, it's not a straight, straight line on that for sure. And I'm sure you guys go through that in, in, in the stuff you do in school, in your own projects. So how about I can counter it and ask how you deal with your creative blocks? Because I know that's something we run into often. And usually it's a couple of us knocking heads together trying to figure something out. But I feel like a professional setting might be a little different. My creative blocks are probably a little easier to deal with nowadays because I can I can ask someone else to figure them out. <laughs> you know, because, you know, so, you know, uh, I'm not relying on myself completely. So the advantage I, you know, we have in a firm is you have people, right? And you have other people that can... Uh, that, you know, you can rely on. So you, so you can run ideas through each other. And a lot of time it's a couple of us just sitting down and saying, hey, I kind of thinking this is an idea here. And then you know, see, see what you think of it. Um, so that's, you know, that's part of it. Probably the only other thing I can see on creative blocks is sometimes you just got to step away, right? And, and, and uh, once you get blocked, it's, it's tough to unblock it, right? So maybe not so much, you know, nowadays, but maybe a night of a rap would have hurt, you know, and then see if you can unblock things or something like that, right? Is there something that you did um, in your creative life growing up, um, drawed, or I know lots of uh, students that enter our program are draw quite a bit in their free time or do photography. Is there something that you did that you feel got you into architecture? Yeah, you know what, you know, like I said, I, I just always had interesting in buildings. You know, I was never... I was never the most artsy, you know, person, you know, I probably was definitely much more of a technical person, you know, as far as, you know, science and, you know, you know, math and those kind of things. Um, but I, I just always had a genuine interest in buildings and how things went together. I mean, this may sound really, you know, really stereotypical, but I played with a lot of Lego, you know, growing up you know and, and just like building things that way you know and, and you know even building the treehouse in the backyard right and you know and so it just it was always kind of interested in things that way and that was probably the biggest thing is that uh, and yeah I was never a big you know, doodler you know and sketcher and I certainly wouldn't call myself a, a, an artist you know as far as you know if, if you want me to do a portrait of someone yeah probably not the right guy right but you know everybody has their own skills right and that's the, i think that's kind of the beauty of architecture is if you're going to be a, a graphic you know if you're going to be a, do portraits of people well you better be you know you better be able to draw you know draw like that but architecture allows lots of different uh, lots of different backgrounds to uh, for people to, to to be successful so then how would you say that helped or hindered you trying to get into architecture school i know that the little bit of research i've done everybody wants a portfolio and they're very broad but they want specific things so how do you think that building side versus the art side helped you or well it probably made it a little more difficult for me initially because i had to pull a portfolio together i certainly didn't have i didn't i didn't have a, a portfolio right of stuff um so you know i i'd had some you know i had some things um, but I, I'd spent a fair bit of time pulling a portfolio together. So, yeah, so I, I, I did some drawings, I did some stuff, you know, I kind of tried to figure out what people were looking for. Right. And, and, and put a portfolio together. I think probably over time, those requirements have changed a little bit more. So you know, I might've been lucky enough that the portfolio uh, 
maybe is, was less critical than it is today, perhaps because things certainly change over time as far as the requirements to get in. You know, uh, it, yeah, it probably made it more of a challenge, to be honest. You know, because I like I didn't have a portfolio that I could just I didn't have a bunch of projects I'd already I didn't have that uh, that chair furniture project right or or those kind of things that I could just have great pictures of and and send in. So um, it was a challenge, but obviously it worked out. So no complaints. I know uh, a lot of our professors oftentimes talk so much about sketching. Um, professors, the first year, t- I think uh, one of our professors told us that. Uh, if we don't, or if we didn't sketch that, uh, we should go and grab a coffee next door, um, or something along those lines. Um, and so it was. It's kind of always drilled into us to draw, and I think more so to communicate ideas in that way. So, do you guys quite often communicate ideas through that, through the napkin kind of idea, or communication like that? I know we oftentimes sit in the studios that. Uh, over dinner and talk quite a bit about one thing or another problems we're stuck on. Do you guys do you guys often do that? Sit in the boardroom for an hour and a half with guys and bounce ideas off each other? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is just you know my own personal you know perspective, but I think it's probably the one thing that technology has, the downfall of technology is the sketching. You know, I think to me the ability to take and. and we still do it, but, you know, we take, you know, tracing paper and, and roll out a, a big roll of trace and with some Sharpies or markers or whatever it is. And just because you can do it so quickly. Right. And you're not bound by the technology and the screen and all the rest. And, and I'm still a huge believer in that, that, you know, just sitting down with a couple of people and to get concepts together and just kind of, hey, you know, just do do that, as you said, that napkin sketch. It's unfortunately, I think it's 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 getting lost a little bit, right? As far as um, with with technology, and it's, it's certainly something I even notice with people that come from that you know we have sort of the the people that take architectural t- technology at Nate and become sort of draftsmen. Um, you know, the, the technology has allowed people to focus so so into such a narrow, small window of a building that you, you're going to lose the big perspective where. You know, in the old days when you had it on a piece of paper, you saw the whole building all the time. So I think sketching is huge. And yeah, you, that's, uh, I find too, the, the, the speed that you can generate ideas with just a, a quick, you know, doodle is, is, is fantastic. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of it. And, and I've even told people in our office once in a while, I said, you know, how about turn off the computer for an hour and just come up with some ideas? I'm not sure if they like that, but uh, but I, I think I think it's I think it's I think it's huge. Just uh, you can't replace the. And I'm not a drawer personally. Like I'm not you know I'm not just sitting on the side of the you know on a rock in the mountains sketching stuff, right? But for building stuff, it's uh, the, the ability to generate ideas and spatial relationships, you know, of a building and, and how things go to. A lot of stuff we'll do, you know, we do it, and I'm sure you guys have sort of like bubble diagrams. You know, just uh, just just bubbles of, you know, on a building. You know, this is where these pieces would go, and these pieces would go, and then you know, you see, okay, how can because buildings are about relationships and spaces too, right? So it's understanding where. So you take those bigger bubbles, and then you start putting the pieces into the bubbles, and and doing it in a sketch form to me is is just so easy and, and much more, uh, I think, much more beneficial. And you can do it with more than one person around a table, right? Socially distant. So then how would you say that you guys approach projects or systems like that? Like I know I was listening to one of Apple's product designers last week 
And he was saying that when they're thinking of ideas, they think big, they think small, and then they think of personal. Do you say you break down buildings in a similar way? Because they are such massive pieces to kind of make sense of them design. Maybe not to the same level, but certainly, you know, when we talk about a building, you know, know, when we do like a school, a high school or elementary school or something like that, or a university building, we we start, you know, we always say we sort of start at like the 30,000 foot level. Right. And then eventually you hope you come into a landing, you know, but you're, you're trying to get the big picture. So it's about how do you break down a big building? Well, you don't worry about where the bathrooms are at first and where the storage rooms are. You know, you got to figure out the big pieces and how the building's going to look and how it fits on the site. Right. Because you, you're dealing with the building. It's not just the building itself. It's there's the built environment around the building and, and where it's located and how it relates to the streets and other buildings around it and how people access it. And so all those things come into play as you start to lay out a building. And so, yeah, you're starting at that real high level, big ideas. Um, in the back of your mind, you always know there's some little ideas inside. You have to know that if you're drawing the big ideas, some of the little things will work because the little things are what also helps make the building work. And you, you, you can't ignore them at the end of the day. So you don't want to handcuff yourself, but you certainly uh, start high, start big, you know, big concept stuff. Like I said, we'll go into the first meeting sometimes and you take a building and it's those, those bubbles, just, just, just rectangles, you know, that, are, you know, the, or circles and just with arrows pointing to each other, right. There's to talk about spatial relationships and how things work and get people, okay, I enter here, but I'd have to, if I'm going, if I'm going to, if I need to do this, I'm going here, but it's next to this. Right. And then you, you start, you start to come down into more detail as you move. So yeah, it's, that's, you know, at least for us, you know, um, I think, you know, obviously this, the bigger the building, the more that applies to the smaller the building. If you're designing the inside of a store, well, then you're already down, you're already close to a landing when you start, you know, so, but on a, certainly on larger buildings, yeah, you, you have to look at that on, on that big concept idea. Well, it sounds like you guys use a very user-centered approach then when you're going after these things, like where, how am I going to enter and where am I going to go? And how am I going to navigate between them? So that, would you say that you guys focus a lot on the use of the building when you're doing it more than just making a building? Like what distinguishes just a building and an architect making a building? Like architecture is 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 the process of design, right? Yeah. The building is actually, you know, technically physically building the building and construction of it. But at the end of the day, buildings are experienced. People walk into a building, right? You don't just see it, you, you just don't experience from the outside. You you get certainly the outside gives you a feel and it has an impact on the the environment we're in, right? So that as you're if you're going down the street and you see an interesting building, it has an impact on how, you know, certainly if a building's a wall against the street versus set back with a park in front of it, you know, it has a different feel. To me, a successful building is not one that just looks from the outside. It's people eventually have to go into the building and use it and, and you know, live in it, right? You know, and, and that's the thing too, you know, is in, you know, we design it, we're involved in it, but we don't actually live in the building afterwards. The users are the ones that spend the time in it. If, they, if they're not happy inside that building, but it looks great outside, in my opinion, that's not a very successful building, right? So, so you know, the, the experience of, of walking into a building, you know, we all go through it. When you walk into the front door of a certain building, some of them, you go, wow, right? You get that wow factor. And then you see more and, and you know how you feel. The things about bringing in natural light and windows and, you know, all those kind of things that see are more important now than they were, you know, even before I started, you know, there, there used to be schools, lots of schools built, uh, well, 
and went to a high school that has no windows, right? So, uh, so did so did both of my kids. We would never do that now. Okay, that's that's just that's just wrong. You know, uh, we all know that that's, that's not a good thing. But um, so yeah, I think you know the you have to have a building that people experience, and experience is what you get. The, that's you, some buildings feel good when you're inside them, right? Others not so much. That's also personal, right? So everybody experiences it differently. I don't know if I particularly have any more questions, although I could talk, I'm fine to talk about design all day, but Dustin, do you have any more uh, specific questions? What would you wish we would have asked you? I know that's something that, like, if you could have come in here and just have been asked for an asked question. I think you guys, you guys covered a lot of topics there, you know, and, and I think is you know, it certainly tells me you have a bit of an understanding of design and what, and even architecture to some extent, right? Uh, from what you asked, uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, if, if, if you know, if, if the purpose of this is to say, you know, uh, I want to be an architect, so what do I do? You know, sort of stuff. I think like anything else, it's a design, so you have to have a passion for it. You know, it has to be something that interests you. And even to that effect, the types of buildings you do, you know, that I think if you have uh, an interest in it or, you know, develop, and sometimes that passion has to be developed, you know, when it comes to type of buildings. I mean, I didn't come out of architecture school when I graduated saying, I want to design schools and I want to work on public buildings. The firm I started with did that. I developed that passion. And for me personally, that seems much more exciting than working on a, a strip mall, right, or a warehouse or not that I haven't worked on them. But, you know, that there just seems to be more of a, you know, there's 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 more of a reward in there, certainly when you walk in afterwards, and you see kids and they're all happy and, you know, you get compliments about how, you know, especially in smaller communities, what it's done to the community and, you know, all those sorts of things. It's it's so it has a feel. But I think it's, you know, you just say you just have, it has to be an interest. You have to have that passion because it's a, it's a tough program. It'll it'll take a lot out of you. Um, and if you don't, if you're, you know, if so you just can't go through the paces on it, right? You, you got to be interested in it. And, uh, but, you know, it's certainly, I think, rewarding. It's certainly, I, I, you know, I enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of positives to it. At the end of the day, you know, it's uh, no two days are the same. That's for sure, right? Um, even, even, you know, very rarely have we have I had the opportunity to design, to do the same building twice. But I have on occasion, we've had where they repeat a building and do a very similar building the same. And even then it's not the same the second time because it's someone else building it. So it's amazing. You get one person building it one time, the next person building it somehow looks at it, doesn't understand the same thing the first guy did. So, you know, it's it's never boring. No two days are alike. And it's, you know, I, th- I, I think the program you guys are in is certainly a great stepping stone to, to an architecture program. Okay, well, thank you, Rob. Uh, Thomas, if you want to sign us out. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Um, Thanks very much. Okay. Okay, thanks, guys.